All right, everyone, welcome to this episode of the Schwegcast. As always, I'm your host, Sam Schwegler. Remember to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us wherever you're listening. Give us a like, do all the things you need to do, write a review. I'd love it if you write a review. Writing a review is the best way you can support this show at the moment. So keep up with that, do that, do your thing. Be awesome, like I always do that. Today I have my friend Cooper Baker on the show. Me and Cooper have been working on some cool music for some TV stuff, and it's really cool. It's a really cool song. It's a fun project to get to work on. You're actually going to be able to get to hear that later in the show, so you're going to have to listen to the whole thing to try and get yourself to listen to it, the whole thing. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed. I think it's a really good song. I have a lot of faith in it, and we're going to see where it goes. Hopefully it goes somewhere cool and... uh it's awesome like that. We talk about all the cool things that he's done up his uh, life. We talk about his old bands, new bands, some things about Nashville, uh, weird people we've met, and all that really cool stuff. We even talk about Ryan Adams a little bit and how he stole one of my ideas, so you're going to have to stick around and listen to that to make sure you can figure out what the heck Ryan Adams stole from me, and uh, you'll see. Maybe one day Ryan will repay the debt to me. That he owes me, <laughs> or, some, or something like that. I'm not too sure about uh, what I'll do. So, one thing I want to talk about, uh, an artist that I really like, I really, really like, released a new album, and you probably have heard of him. It's this like small indie artist named Ed Sheeran. He released this, <laughs> he released this new album called Divide, and two thumbs up from this guy, um, that guy being me, on this album. This album is phenomenal. And there's a lot of perspectives I really like about it. So one of the themes I get from this album is this idea that Ed Sheeran did take a year off, took a gap year finally in his life to be able to just kind of live life, travel, and do all that cool stuff with his girlfriend. And so he just kind of writes about that. He writes about about his home, about his family, and about other loves in his life, and all that stuff like that. And it's really cool. So I just kind of want to... Give some thoughts on some songs. I haven't exactly picked a favorite song right now on this album, but I think right now, if I'm going to pick one at, for the moment, I'm going with uh, Hearts Don't Break Around Here. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of one of those hopeful songs where it's like you go through life and you're heartbroken and you're beat up by everything life throws at you. But where you're at, where your kind of home is, which I guess is what Ed is referring to when he's talking about that song, about everything's fine here, nothing bad is going to happen here. And I think that, I don't know, that just makes me think, gets me really, I get a glass of Jameson and obviously just, you know, sit and think about that, sit on my couch listening to my stereo of Ed Sheeran and all that cool stuff. I think the one song you would cry easily to is Supermarket Flowers, and I think Ed knows that. And I think most people who have listened to the album will think. Um, he has a song called Barcelona, which uh, George Ezra released his own version of that song, or uh, not his own version of the song, but like his own song called Bar- uh, Barcelona. And so this makes me think I should go to Barcelona on a trip sometime. So who's up to come with me? Uh, hit me up theshredcast at gmail.com. I'd love to uh, go with you. And then, you know, Ed sticks to his usual themes. There's a lot of similarities to Multiply and Plus with this album. Like, you have, like, kind of the rap sing songs, like the Ed Sheeran-style rap song, like Galloway Girl, uh, 
new man and stuff like that. So, you know, you kind of get that old Ed Sheeran and then you get some more intimate acoustic stuff from him. So whoever's a fan of whatever music of Ed, like that style he goes with is going to be happy with this, you know, what he does here. And the one thing I specifically love about this album, because he released two singles when he first uh, announced the album, uh, Shape of You and Castle on the Hill. And, you know, those are two great songs. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, Shape of You is obviously, like, they're both, like, on the top of the charts right now. But one thing in particular with that song, those songs, like, I don't even think they're my favorite ones on the album or ever will be uh, my favorite songs on the album. Happier, I like that one, too. Just, I don't know. I really like that sad music. I'm a, I'm a sad music person, which is really funny because, you know, most people think I'm a hilarious dude. So I really like sad music, and obviously... If you listen to my music, a.k.a. SamJuegoMusic.com, you can obviously tell that I write a lot of sad songs. Nancy Mulligan, I think that's uh, I think it's about his family. I haven't done the research on it, so don't quote me on that. And then ends it with Save Myself, which is like this really sad way to end an album. It's not exactly like a finale. It's just kind of seems like an act cut short, like if you just left a play during intermission, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I actually kind of like it because... It's not something you always see with, you know, an album and stuff like that. It's just kind of ends it there. And I just think that's really cool. And so, you know, he starts the song off with Eraser, another rap kind of thing. And uh, it's a really weird intro. And, I like, I don't know if it's my mind or not, but I think the guitar's out of tune. But I like the creative choice, so I'm just going to let it slide or whatever. And so, you know, if you haven't listened to Ed Sheeran's new album, go listen to it. It's well worth your money or your streams and all that stuff. So I would just go, I'm not even getting paid by a chair and to go. So that's just my opinion on a new album I've listened to. And one I'd suggest y'all listen to and, uh, hit me up if you do listen to it and give me your thoughts on it. And all right, before I get to my talk with Cooper, like always, let's get to the sponsors of the show. First up, we got Lapel Yeah. Hell yeah. We got Lapel Yeah as a sponsor. You can go to lapelya.com, get your own custom pin made or, Search through the variety of pins they already have. You won't be disappointed. I mean, I've never been disappointed by lapel yet, so I guess you won't either. I'm thinking, still thinking of ideas for pins to make, but I think I will get some pins and then possibly get it on the San Diego Music Store, and we'll see. We'll see what up. Maybe get some podcast-themed pins. We don't know. But, uh, yeah, go to lapelia.com. Find a pin you like. And when you find a pin you like, use promo code SAM, S-A-M, and you can get 25% off your order of pins and that's a freaking great deal 25% off pins like you get if you get 25% off any product that is freaking amazing so go to lapelia.com and use promo code sam and get yourself a lapel pin next question i want to ask you bro do you even lift i bet you do because Lyft is that ride-sharing app that you're going to love. Y'all know the ride-sharing apps. You know you can go to, you know how you used to have taxis? Not anymore. With Lyft, you're able to get on your phone, order yourself a Lyft, get a, get a ride home, and be as drunk as you possibly want. You know, a couple episodes ago, we talked to my friend Tim, and, you know, he did that on New Year's Eve, and, uh, you know, it's pretty, 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 pretty cool and stuff like that. But that doesn't stop there. You haven't signed up for Lyft yet, have you? Well, if this is your first time hearing it, I got great news for you. Use promo code SCHWEGCAST, S-C-H-W-E-G-C-A-S-T, and you can get a $50 ride credit 
towards your first few rides with Lyft. So that is Schwedcast with Lyft. Use that code when you sign up. Get yourself a, a designated driver on me, and uh, you can have yourself a great evening. Drink tons of Jameson, do some Jaeger bombs, do all that stuff you love. And without further ado, I want to get on with my talk with Cooper, and uh, yeah, stay awesome. been up to doing a lot of work uh yeah i'm working a new job restaurant job um to help pay the bills and writing and recording a lot mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i know we've been working a ton and then i've been really bad at sending you every bounce ever <laughs> <laughs> no you're fine i know you're busy with other stuff too yeah so i'm only i only have like four projects going on right now that's good so yeah none of them pay very well <laughs> only one has like an immediate payoff so Hey, the ones that don't have the immediate payoff are usually bigger payoffs yeah. if they ever come. So I think a lot of them are songwriting, where it's like songwriting you don't get paid like up front. You just yeah, get paid. Yeah, songwriting's a little. Once the song comes out, fins people to write with you and then release the song that you just wrote. Yeah. Together. I mean, publishing royalties are definitely a little bit more harder to accumulate. You got to rely on people downloading music and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think the stuff that. You know, the type of stuff that we're doing has mm. more potential for a bigger, sooner payoff, hopefully, so, for yeah. both of us. Uh, what was the thing I was thinking? Yeah, because when I was in school, they said, like, the biggest thing you can do to, like, make money in the music industry is write, like, a hit song. Like, yeah, regardless of, like, what it is, like, kind of song it is, but, like, if you write a hit song, like, you're going to be fine. Even oh, if it's yeah. on, like, even if you write a song for a big artist and then, like, it's just, like, a random track on the album like you still get paid like if you wrote a song on taylor swift's album like mm -hmm. guaranteed you're gonna make some money yeah that's true just saying that she wants it on the album yeah is do you like co-writes i do um and right now kind of you know when i posted on on the yep group and when i when mm -hmm. on that post that we kind of linked up on it was i'm almost looking for people who were co-writers who were also producers who were you mm -hmm. know people that are willing to, to take on a, more of a production role. Yeah. And also co-writing, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, like the type of stuff that I'm working on, obviously it's it's very intensive on the production side, so. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of it's expected nowadays, I guess. At least on my end, I think it's expected. Co-writes? Co-writes being a producer on the... Yeah. At least yeah, I, I mean... Either not a producer or you are a producer and you do it. Or at least you know how to make demos in your, yeah. your apartment or whatever, or it wherever helps. you're writing. Yeah, it helps to have someone in the room who's, you know, considered a track guy, I guess. Mm -hmm. Goes to but, school. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, besides that, yeah, so you've been keeping busy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, like I said, um, working a restaurant job and, and doing the music stuff is pretty much combined. It's probably, you know, pretty close to eight hours a week, so. Yeah, it's a, it's like a, so do you work most evenings, too? At the restaurant? Yeah. No, it, it depends. Um, some days I do. Just whenever hours. Yeah. I've never understood restaurant hours because, like, if you want to be, like, a full-time or, like, you know, the up-to-minimum 
40 hours, like, you're just like, all right, can you just give me the same schedule every week? And you think that'd be easier for whoever's making the schedule, but... Yeah, really. I think people that people that tend to work in restaurants have more fickle schedules and stuff, and a lot of mm-hmm. them probably... I mean, I'm sure there, there are a handful of them, like myself, who would like a full, you know, a, a regular schedule, but... Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to juggle regular schedules when, you know, and then somebody calls out, yeah. which is much more often in the restaurant industry than it is in, yeah, say, an office job, then it's hard to fill that role quickly. Office so. jobs are just like, all right, this is your life. Yeah. Yeah, I did <laughs> that like, for... Most of them don't, like, think of musicians. Here it's a little bit different, but, like, in Nashville at least, but, like, most places are just kind of like, no, this is your life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, a lot of people, you know, take their work home with them even after the 40, 50 hours they do in the office every week, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, basically how I tell people it's like working two full-time jobs. Doing music and... And, and working, like, yeah. some office job or yeah. restaurant job or something like that. No, it totally is, especially if you're serious about the music stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, one job's just for money and the other one's for, like, a career moving forward. Yeah, stuff and hopefully like it's, you know... It's what you're passionate about, what makes you happy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's why I moved here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why I moved here. I was like, well, I'm not good at anything else, so I got <laughs> just got to, I guess I'll move to Nashville. It's funny. Um, one thing I've noticed that's different here is dating. Like, I don't know how much you've gotten into dating here, uh-huh. but, like, I've noticed here that, like, because you can tell people you're a musician yeah. and, like, no one thinks it's weird at all, like, even just, like, normal people. Like, sure. you sign up for an apartment and you're just like, hey... I'm, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, I'm a musician. Okay. And they just like write off, like, we're in, like, when I was in Kansas City, they're just like, okay, but do you have another job? Yeah. So, like, that, we're here, it's not a big deal. They're just like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone understands in Nashville that, you know, if you're a musician, whether you're making a full time career doing music or, or not, kind of like we are, that we, you know, there's always a, mm-hmm. another source of income too, whether it's working a restaurant or, or even yeah. a, a nine to five or, or whatever. I see all facets of it. But most people, uh, yeah, most people know. They're here. But I noticed with dating, because, like, when I was, yeah, in Missouri and Kansas, you're just like, they're talk girls and stuff like that. You're just like, oh, so what do you do? I was like, well, I play music. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. Because, like, you know, at first, uh-huh. girls think it's cool. But then they're, they kind of, like, get to know you, and they're just like, oh, so this is, like, serious? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like do you have that problem? I've had that problem. And them thinking that my music is too serious? Or, or like, that... Uh, when you're, because they want you to be, because most girls kind of want, like, to be, like, a mom. That's kind of their career goal. Uh-huh. And so, like, when you're just like, no, I'm really serious about my career and music. It's like, that's the, important to me. And it's like, oh, so you're not going to work another job. And then you just, like, play guitar on the side or whatever, play piano on the side. No, they they kind of think it's weird. Do you have that problem? Not really. I think the biggest problem I run into is just is just scheduling because I, I put 80 hours a week oh, yeah. into music and, and restaurant work. And, you know, I don't have much time to... To, mm-hmm. to try to develop a relationship otherwise so yeah that that too when you basically get two jobs it's basically it's like i don't think i have time to schedule you into my life right now so. yeah it's a commitment <laughs> yeah so we're going like what day do you have off let's get, let's get <laughs> for a session let's get uh going yeah yeah i mean especially in restaurant world too where weekends are are my you know generally my busier times and time mm-hmm. to make money um whereas people that aren't in music, um, that's their, obviously their time off and their time to, mm-hmm. to go out and be social. So I'm mm-hmm. usually working Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So yeah, most of my music stuff happens during the week. Mm-hmm. Which is like, seems really weird. Yeah. Cause, uh, when I was at, had a studio internship and like, they, it was kind of funny cause weekends were a little like 
less and we kind of like oh yeah i guess musicians like weekends off too <laughs> yeah i mean everyone likes weekends off because mm-hmm. it's you know it's nice when when your time off overlaps with everyone else the rest of the world's time off but like mm-hmm. i said it doesn't always work that way so yeah work work so like before you moved here did you have problems dating or anything or like just like with telling people you're a musician and stuff like that no not really um before i moved here i had a you know, I worked for 10 years in uh, commercial real estate, so I worked office jobs, and I uh, moved around a good bit um, from South Carolina to Atlanta to Florida, back to South Carolina, and then eventually to Nashville. So, mm-hmm. um, obviously, moving around can have a yeah impact on your too. dating life. But, um, no, I never really had anyone, you know, think that the music thing was, was cumbersome or, or weird or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just been, like, my problem, like, living i guess when i was in the midwest but now here it's not as big of a deal except you just don't have time for it yeah that's exactly that's more the problem okay so what music you've been listening to i want to talk about just what's up and coming um i don't i've been listening to uh the new ryan adams album is out he's my probably one of my favorite singer songwriters Mm -hmm. so i've been listening to that um and then i've been listening to a lot of stuff um, I'm, I'm a little bit different, I guess, cause I, because I'm trying to write music for TV and film. I go back and kind of listen to what's being played right now on, on TV shows mm-hmm. and, and movies and stuff and try to, you know, learn what sounds are, are popular right now and, and kind of use that to, to, um, you know, kick off my writing sessions. So, yeah. Um, have you checked out the new Ed Sheeran album? I've not. I've heard it's. I've heard it's out. Um, it's but, good. Yeah, I would yeah. suggest checking that out. Um, so, speaking of Ryan Adams, so I had that. So he did Taylor Swift's 1979. 89. Yeah. Like he did like his own version of that. Yeah. And I literally had the same idea to do that. Like before he came out with it, so he was probably in the thought process of it. Oh yeah. So we were probably, in th- and then I saw he came out. I was like, that guy stole my idea. <laughs> so I was just like, I can't forgive him. But I think we can make it up one day. You can't be mad though, because like, it's so good. There's, yeah, it's really good because um, he, like, interpreted a lot differently. And, like, I saw him have, like, a back and forth with Taylor about it. And it was just, like... Yeah. Because she... Her version of all he had to do was stay was, uh, like, it was from a dream. And that's all she could say where, like, where Ryan sang it, it was more of, like, the actual... What you would actually think of it when you mm-hmm. heard the song. Like, all you had to do was stay and, like, the reasons why and stuff like that. And so I thought that was very interesting. Um Speaking of Taylor Swift, did you have a favorite track on her new album? On uh, or at least well, you mean even uh, Ryan Adams' version or like differences or whatever. Nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think Out of the Woods is my probably one of my favorite songs on the album, primarily because of the Ryan Adams version. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I also like Style a lot. Yeah. I, uh, I used to cover that song in my old band back in South Carolina. That was yeah. a fun one to play. So it's a fun one. That one gets people. Yeah. See, I was more of a favorite on, like, both versions. Like, I'm fr- fans with, like, the B-sides mm-hmm. of it. What song was it? Uh, crap, well, I want to look it up on my phone. But, yeah, um, more, like, with those big pop albums that, like, are very big hits, uh, I always tend to fall for the, uh, like, the non-single tracks. So which one yeah. was it? have it in my the iTunes. Um, I wish you would. That one. Oh, yeah. She produced that with uh, Jack Antonoff of... Uh, Fun and bleachers and yeah, uh, steel train. Yeah, if you if you're old enough to remember steel train, like I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember that name, but I'm I'm sure I am old enough. So it was 
Yeah, because basically, fun was a combination of Steel Train, the format, and Anthello, I think? Probably saying that wrong. Some other band. Okay. So basically, it was a combo of like three of the guys from that, and that's why they made two records with that, and now they're all doing different projects. Okay. So... I didn't realize it was one of those super, super groups. Yeah, because that's what they wanted, because they all, like, that's what they wanted to do with it, so. Yeah. And that's why people were mad, like, they're not releasing a third album, mm-hmm. because they're just like, we're just, like, three people who wanted to make a... Come together and make some Make music. an album together, and then yeah. we decided to make another album, and it wasn't like a... It was more of, like, a per-album type band, not like a full-time project, which yeah. I guess it kind of turned into, and they kind of got, like, annoyed with it because they wanted to do other things. But that's cool. That's what I love about music. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can go into a side project mm-hmm. and have fun and make an album or two or whatever, and then you know be done with it. And then mm-hmm. that's that's all fun will ever be. You know, yeah, it's kind of cool. It's like a lot of bands are turning into like one or two, three people. Yeah, like, and it's just kind of their band, and that's the project, and then they have a full band mm-hmm. live. So I think that's cool. Do you have any thoughts like on that? Because I think it. I kind of like the idea because those two make the band. It's not like four or five people who. Less people, but it's still a band. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know that's all. Obviously, having a, a single singer songwriter with a with a backing band's always been um, really popular. Even if they, um, you know, like with Ryan Adams, like he has the Cardinals, who we you know actually made albums mm-hmm. with and toured with, and then there's just other Ryan Adams albums that yeah. aren't Ryan Adams and the Cardinals. So, um, but yeah, I, mean, I think that's a cool that's a cool way to approach it, especially if. I don't know. I find it hard to, to, you know, going back to co-writing, it can be hard when you have four or five people in the same room mm-hmm. trying to create <clears throat> an album or, or songs. And sometimes it's easier to have one or two people that are kind of leading the mm-hmm. the cause and, and just, you know, having other backing musicians to help kind of fill in the gaps and stuff. Do you do like co-writes with like four or five other people or how do you typically do it? I try not to, unless it's like, you know, um, like, somebody else in the room is a good lyricist, somebody's a great guitar mm-hmm. player, somebody's a producer, unless everyone kind of has a defined role, but I try not to go into it with just everyone's kind of, yeah. four people are trying to think of lyrics at the same time. I never um, like the, I've never liked like the four or five like people writing. I'm like, I always intentionally do it like me and then the other person. Yeah. So like, I never like to do stuff like, unless it's like a duo or something like that and they want to co-write and I'm like, okay. But yeah, I never do it uh, like, like uh yeah like uh Beyonce or whatever like the big artists do mm-hmm. just get like big songs yeah do you know how like Rihanna writes like gets her songs out like it's super I don't something like I really I made an opinion I had to write a paper on it in school but what she had to do was so she basically has like beat making camps so she has all these producers songwriters and like groups they all group up and then like they work on songs for like a weekend and then Rihanna comes in and says what she likes and doesn't like and stuff like that. Huh. And so you hear all these songs that like we're supposed to, you hear all the time their songs are supposed to be Rihanna songs that don't become Rihanna songs like uh We Can't Stop by Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. That one was supposed to be the new Shape of You Ed Sheeran. That was supposed to be for Rihanna. And so Yeah, it, it's amazing how many songwriters kind of um I don't know if control is the right word, but are are producing all this material for the pop world and you know, a mm-hmm. lot of people have generally don't don't know that there's you know a handful of of people that are dishing all these hit songs out and feeding them to different all their favorite artists and stuff so um it's always interesting to know especially with people like ed sheeran because i know he writes a lot of his own stuff Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting to hear when people you know when he's 
playing other people's songs and stuff like that. So with your own music, do you do a lot of co-writes with that, or how do you go about the trust? I'm getting into it a little bit more. I'm, I'm, I've only been in Nashville for eight months, but you mm. know, from the day I moved here, it was just like co-writing is is such a big thing here. Mm. You you realize that immediately, which is interesting because it's really not mm-hmm. elsewhere seemingly. Um, but I don't know. I'm I'm still not I'm still not bought into the whole you know idea that co-writing is the way to do it and the only way to do it. I'm mm. still I still write a lot solo. Um, yeah. I think co-writing has its purposes, but I don't think people should just initially assume that they have to find someone to write a song with. I mean, I think you can, mm-hmm. people can um, probably do a lot more by themselves if they, you know, put yeah. the effort into it and stuff. So, I'm still on my solo stuff. Like, I try to do it all myself because I'm p- producing it all myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I'm still have the idea that I want to make it like an actual solo record and yeah. not a uh, like a group effort kind of thing. Right. But, uh, yeah, I never understood that, like, I need to write this song, I need a co-writer right now type of mentality. I don't know. I don't get that mentality, but, like, I think I like the idea. I like working with other people. Yeah. Or, like, writing songs for other people. Yeah. I can work out, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I never like the, I need a, I need a co-writer right now to help me finish the song. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, production is, is quite the opposite where, you mm-hmm. know, you can write a great song, but um, if you're, you know, if you don't have the production skills, then you just absolutely have to bring mm-hmm. somebody else in to to help you out. But um, I don't know. On the writing side, you know, people have. It's just the song takes on a different direction, whether or not you would have done it solo or or pulled somebody else in. And sometimes it's a good thing, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a bad thing. It's just, you know. Yeah, singer songwriters are like really expected right now to be able to like at least record themselves mm-hmm. and at least the basics i know you have yeah you bought into some of that stuff so yeah the machina and yeah i mean i moved to nashville with with um a piano and that was pretty much it i had an old um like an eight track digital recorder that i was using a little bit and now that doesn't even get used anymore and now i've you know i bought a macbook and got logic and um got my interface set up and yeah now mm-hmm. i have the the machine a micro thing and i'm trying to figure out you know all the capabilities of that but yeah i mean i've been here for eight months and i'm mm-hmm. slowly just accumulated you know yeah. basic studio type equipment but yeah i feel like two years from now i'll probably have a little full studio set up mm-hmm. in my apartment that's just kind of how like you said the way things are moving these days everyone's kind of expected to be a little more independent on that side mm-hmm. um at least to to produce a quality demo in your place to give yeah. to a producer you know to say this is kind of the sound i'm looking for yeah, you don't hear a lot anymore about like people actually go into a studio to record a demo. Yeah, like no one does that. Yeah, I mean, I, to some degree, you really don't need to with the advent of you know technology and mm. and you know you can buy Logic for two hundred bucks. Two hundred yeah. bucks, yeah, and you know get some uh, cheap interface and plug your guitar in and go. I mean, you know. Mm. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, like demos have become so. You see a lot of YouTube videos online. It's like, all right. Yeah, here's how you're... There's so much on YouTube, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's like, YouTube, it's like all producers. Especially if you look up... But, fun fact for all you listening, if you're looking at, like, podcast info on audio-based anything, mm-hmm. it's all crap. Like, Because really? I, like, I when I was trying to get this podcast up and going, I was like, okay, let's see, like, what techniques I need to do for recording, and, like, none of them are good. Huh. I'm like, I know for sure. Like, none of them are good. Yeah. Maybe you can start one then. Yeah, and no, I need to. I could do that, Lara. Just like, here's how you podcast. Actually, yeah. Except this podcast is probably like the audio quality is probably a little too good for most podcasts, and so probably most 
Uh, they probably snubbed the quality on this. <laughs> Ooh, I got a text. Oh, no, it was just this funny video I sent a friend of a guy here in Nashville who's not very good at the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I won't name any names because... <laughs> I don't know, because you see, like... Because we're both on that uh, Nashville Young Entertainment Professionals page, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people who are not professionals. They're young entertainment. Blends. Yeah. And then there's a lot of people who are not young on yeah. that page. Like, you can definitely, definitely see that. Like, a bunch of, like, old dudes are just like... Yeah, it's a hodgepodge of people on there for sure. But it's been it's been a, a pretty cool resource since I've moved yeah. here. I mean, just in terms of meeting random people. I mean... Mm -hmm. And going... You need to tell that story. I think the first time we met, you told me you, like, went to some random dude's house to record for, like, his YouTube page or something like that? Yeah, I don't know what ever happened to that. Um... I don't know if it ever got up and running or not, but yeah, he was reaching out to people and, and he was going to set up a YouTube, uh, like, a I don't even know what to call it. Like, a just highlighting a bunch of, you know, Nashville indie mm -hmm. artists and stuff. And, um, it really never got up and running. So I don't mm -hmm. think it did at least, <laughs> but anyways, what's the story behind it? Cause you went to his house, right? It was this yeah. guy's house. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I mean, we recorded there and then I don't know whatever happened to it. So, oh, okay. So, all right, well, I guess we'll never know. Some things, yeah. I think a lot of people in Nashville are trying to start up new and cool things, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard to get the time and effort into into putting these things together, so. Mm -hmm. I saw this one guy's page. It was just, like, he's a manager and stuff like that. And we, I saw comments like, when am I going to make it famous, manager? And he's like, soon. And it was something, like, random like that. And so I sent, like, this to, like, my friend, and he actually went to the effort because he's really – I don't think this way, but I go, but I don't go to like specific people's profiles. So I just like search them. He says, I went to that guy's profile, not like the guy, random guy who commented. And we saw that page and it was a kind of a weird thing. It was something like a bunch of Hooters profile pictures and stuff like that. It was something, it was just the weirdest dude I've ever seen. I think uh, uh, if a fedora manifested itself into a person <laughs> and then didn't take a shower. There's, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some weird people around Nashville and, and, you know, being in music, you kind of have to be open to meeting all kinds of new people, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's via social media or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've let, I've met a lot of good people that way, but you know, you're going to have your, your, uh, interesting characters in there too. So you kind of got to take the bad with the good, but, mm -hmm. um, it's all about meeting people and making connections and, you know. Mm -hmm. sometimes that's the only way to do it i did see a funny facebook post so hooters apparently i'm not following hooters someone just shared it just for the record <laughs> <laughs> so like they shared something like if you're like on a date and it seems kind of dangerous you know like the guy might rape you or whatever it was like a special drink or something like that you can order and that's like a sign like to the bartender or whatever to like kind of bring some security or whatever over interesting but here was my thought when i saw well, i think it's a cool idea like i think a lot of bars should take that idea yeah. but here's the problem i had because it was hooters i'm like if a guy's gonna take you on a date to hooters isn't that kind of like the <laughs> sign that like you shouldn't go on a date with this guy i uh, yeah i mean i don't really i don't really go to hooters in general so taking a date there's definitely not on my radar uh it's like First, if, like, Hooters in itself is, like, you go with a bunch of guys. And second off, like, I don't even want to go there, period. Because, you know, like, the kind of guys who go there are, like, the lamest people on earth. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've been to a Hooters in probably 15-plus years. So Actually, I don't think I've ever been to a Hooters, so I'm pretty... Really? Yeah, one time, my dad, he was on, like, a trip. 
he wasn't with my mom, and so, like, the only food place, it was, like, some small town, only food place that was open was a Hooters, mm. and so, like, he had, like, there was no choice, they had to eat there, because they were, like, really hungry, and so, like, he called my mom afterwards and, like, was really, like, apologetic about it, <laughs> <laughs> just, like, he's, like, and the food wasn't even that good, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've heard, I don't know, but I, I probably won't ever go to Hooters. Yeah, my band played at one, um, when we were in college, they had a big stage set up in the parking lot mm-hmm. um i forget where it was i think it was somewhere in upstate south carolina but um they were having a little concert series um so we got to play on stage for like an hour i think that's the last time i've been to one yeah that's probably the only reason i would go to hooters is i had to play there <laughs> yeah if they had live music they yeah i haven't i haven't seen many other hooters though that have stages with live man so i don't know what that was i forgot what it was for mm-hmm I don't know how I tell people, all right, I'm playing at Hooters tonight. Come on down. <laughs> like, hit it up. Okay, yeah. cool. So we're going to take a break, listen to some music, and I think it's the track that we've been working on. Cool, yeah. Cool. So we're going to listen to that, and then when we come back, we'll talk about your music and all that stuff. So, awesome. Cool. Sounds good. Sometimes it's hard to tell if you even know. Feel a fire burning in my chest Fear I'll die trying to save the rest The sun that shines on this place The sun that shines on this place that song all right so let's talk about your music and all that stuff so you're from south carolina correct okay so tell uh so that's when you started playing music was in south carolina yeah i think i started taking piano lessons when i was 10 years old um mm-hmm. my older brother was taking guitar lessons so i was had to putz around the music store for 30 minutes every week so oh, okay until so, like your mom made you go eventually yeah i just started banging on keyboards until mm-hmm. some semblance of some cool sounds came out mm-hmm. i think i think i was Obsessed with the uh, keyboards that had the sound effects on them back in the day. We could oh, yeah. make like you know helicopter sounds yeah. and stuff. Like the the guitars are like the sampler keyboards. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what drew me in back in the day. So, so did you ever go to like music stores and have to like 
state your dominance like so like everyone takes you seriously um i don't think so i mean that's what i feel like i have to do when i go and have to like assert my dominance yeah so i don't know why it's just probably a <laughs> midwest thing now i had to go to a guitar center in kansas city when i was there over christmas and i'm just like i'm better than all of you i'm from nashville <laughs> <laughs> just yeah so it's just like some local store that had lessons yeah, yeah, so. I was yeah, it was a local store in, in Columbia, South Carolina that had you know lesson rooms and and it was like a, a smaller version of a guitar center basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went on and took lessons at a few different places with different teachers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, kind of got out of classical and got into to jazz and rock and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was getting into stuff that I was actually more interested in playing. Um, when you stop learning how to read music. Basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Started learning how to read, you know, fake charts and stuff mm-hmm. and chords and the more interesting side, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, then then stopped taking lessons, but kept playing and played in my first band in college and um, kind of went on from there. Okay, so in college, did you study music in college? Nope. Everyone thought I did. I studied finance in college. Okay, <laughs> that's the smart thing to study. Yeah. Well, I did it for ten years and then. Mm-hmm left it to come to Nashville, so. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's not the worst. At least you have, like, a backup. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I made enough money to pay off all my student loans and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, have some funds to move to Nashville with, so in that yeah. sense, it was cool. Um, yeah, because all my, my ba- I got a degree in music, so it's like, that's all, uh, yeah, that's my backup, music. <laughs> so it's like, I literally have to be here, I can't be. <laughs> yeah. It's like, some people want to be here, some people have to be here. Um, so did you do music, did you do any music in college? Like, did you play in the big bands or marching band or? No, no, I just joined that, um, that band um, that I was talking about. It was, we were called Drive. Um, we kind of formed with a, um, a few dudes around the college. Most of us were at University of South Carolina. Um, and everyone was just super talented, um, you know, from our bass player to our drummer to our two guitar players. And we had, um, we the one of the guitar players that sang wrote most of the music, um, so we played a few covers and some originals, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, did the the big Columbia, South Carolina music circuit hit it hard. Okay, <laughs> is that a good scene down there? Um, I mean, this was God, this was you know almost fifteen years ago, so back then it was okay. It was um, you know a few places around town, and they had a local alternative radio station that did battle the band, so mm-hmm. we did that. Got second place. All right. Um, but, you know, it was a good place to to kind of, I guess, cut my chops with being in a band and stuff. Back then, mm-hmm. I was just playing keys. Um, mm-hmm. wasn't singing or writing or anything, so. Yeah. Um, so, uh, was this Battle of the Bands kind of one of those sell-your-own-tickets? Yeah, I mean, it was all about bringing your friends and yeah. family out and stuff out. I mean, in a smaller town like that, but it was cool. I mean, the band who won um, was called I-9, and they went on to have a song on the, uh, I think, the Elizabethtown soundtrack. Okay. So um, they ended up having some, some moderate success. I mean, that's the best soundtrack like. I've ever heard, so. Yeah. I mean, it's like Elizabethtown and then the Lion King soundtrack <laughs> second behind that, and then Tarzan third, obviously. There you so, go. Can't beat that. Elton John, Phil Collins, and then. Yeah, towns. So, okay, so this band, what year was that when this band was at the peak? Uh, let's see, what was the year? Was that 2003, maybe? Okay, so you're a lot older than me, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have my 33rd birthday was yesterday. Okay, oh, wow, okay, then you're like nine years older than me, okay. Didn't yeah. realize, you're the oldest person I've had on the show, so. Yeah, I'm up there. 
Yeah, problem. I'm hoping right. to get like some more like older music industry dudes <laughs> get on the show so I can actually uh, wise wisdom. Yeah, from well, them. Okay, so I don't have much in the wisdom on the music department because I've only been here for eight months. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think we moved here at the same time. Uh, uh, June. June last okay. year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, we both moved here at the same time. So cool. Doesn't matter how long you've been here. Right? It doesn't matter how old you are. It's just how long you've been here. Yeah, exactly. So is it weird? Thirties doing music. You still look young. So that's. Um, it's, it's not weird. I mean, I was, you know, when I was living, um, I was in Greenville, South Carolina before I moved here mm-hmm. and I was working a full-time office job and then had my band on the side mm-hmm. and we played, you know, usually a few times mm-hmm. a month. Um, so I got used to playing out a lot. Um, and then I did my own kind of open mic stuff on the side and yeah. started writing and recording back then. And, um, I don't know, I kind of fell in love with it and I wouldn't say it's weird doing it in my 30s. It's just, this is, you know, I feel like I just got a little bit of a later start in terms of mm-hmm. the writing and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, like I said earlier, in hindsight, it's kind of nice because at this point I had my career for 10 years and was able to pay off all my debt and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So I moved to Nashville and um, debt-free. and So fairly is a smart idea. Yeah. I mean, mean, I just moved here with, like, literally no money. So, <laughs> like, barely... Scraping by as it is. Yeah, well. Living the dream. That's right. As long as you're paying your bills. Someone someone like messaged me from like Missouri. He was like, ah, so you're living the dream. Like, no, this isn't the dream. Being broke <laughs> isn't the dream. <laughs> I was like, that is no way the dream. Um, so, yeah, so you're South Carolina, and then you moved from there, right? Well, moved- yeah, I grew up in Columbia and went to the University of South Carolina, which is where that, that drive band was. Then I moved to Atlanta for five years. Mm-hmm. Um didn't do much musically in Atlanta. Um, and then from Atlanta, I left and went back to grad school, uh, Florida State. Okay. Um, got my MBA at Florida State. And then from there, I took I went back to Greenville, South Carolina, took the job there. So Okay. And then from there, moved here. Okay. So you've been, so this is city number four then, or three? Um, let's see, Columbia, Atlanta. Tallahassee, yes. Greenville, Nashville, five. Oh, so this is number five. Yeah. All right, so you're so I'm, I'm on four. So yeah, it's the dream. Yeah, I mean they've all been in the southeast, but you know I think it's good to to move around a little bit and see other places mm-hmm. and other cultures and stuff. Um, all right, yeah. So you got any albums, EPs out? What's... Yeah, so I moved to Nashville and recorded a six song EP um, called A Reason to Stay. I was basically about my, my move here to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, when I moved here, I was doing the, the open mic circuit and then the writer's round circuits, and I was really pushing hard to to move, take that artist route that I think most people here that are musicians are, are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I don't know, I'd say probably six months into it, by the time I had gotten pretty proficient and was playing around town at these writer's rounds, you know, a couple mm-hmm. times a week, um, I kind of realized that um, this wasn't the path that I wanted to take, and that's yeah. when I started to do research on um, on the TV and film stuff, which mm-hmm. is the sync market, and kind of became obsessed with the idea of that. And then, I don't know, since basically probably December, I've started to invest 100% of my energy in, in writing and recording into that mm-hmm. um, side of things. So Yeah, I guess that's where we are. So you only have one EP out then? Oh, I had yeah, I I had a full length album that I recorded back in Greenville, South Carolina, but um, I never released it digitally on on Spotify or anything. iTunes. Okay. So um, the EP is Do on the Prince route, where it's just physical copies. Just physical copies of that. Yeah, I had the CD release party at my at the local bar, invited all my friends, mm-hmm. and you know it was fun. But um, 
Yeah, the the uh, the EP that I recorded here in Nashville is the only thing that's that's out publicly on on Spotify and stuff. Okay, where did you record at? Recorded at here? Um, it's called Forty One Fifteen Studios in East Nashville. Okay, uh, it's Forty One Fifteen McGavick. Um, I forget if it's Pike or Avenue. I think there's two McGavicks, but okay. If you look, at it's yeah, it's online. If you look it up, it's a really okay. really cool space. Cool, is it like vibe really well? Yeah, yeah, cool. Kind of low lighting, a lot of candles. Okay. Um, they had a, a cool piano room. Nice as my studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of an upgrade, but you'll get there. You're only eight months in. I think it's, for me, because I've had a, like a lot of bands have had revelations to not record in studios anymore, but like still, I mean, like it's all equipment. It's yeah. a lot of people, because like I think Ed Sheeran recorded it in his house. Yeah, I, I mean. Next stuff I'm working on is all going to be recorded in here. Yeah. The, uh, the, I mean, you really don't need a studio these days. That's. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the beauty of things. I mean, especially the the route, the music that I'm taking. I mean, all I really need is you know a space like this where we can yeah. work on the mm-hmm. production elements heavily. I mean, because always like the biggest problem is drums, and then now like a lot of it's becoming electronic. Yeah, it's not as bad. Yeah, which I'm sure drummers hate and loathe. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's... Which uh, the one advice I got in school was just like the only place you really need to record in a studio like is drums. Yeah. So. It's really cool because I'm thinking a couple albums away. I'm gonna do like no MIDI album. So yeah, I think everyone needs to do one of those in one, in their life. Yeah, that'd be cool. So that's what I want to do. But yeah, so for forty one fifteen, okay, it's a cool studio. Yeah, it's a small studio. I'm assuming one it's, room. Yeah, it's one of those older houses that was converted to a studio. Okay, um, it's pretty big actually. It's probably I mean it's set. You know there was a. A room for drums, a room for guitars, a production room. Um, I had my own room, which had an upright piano in it, a microphone. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it was probably, you know. Well worth the money? Oh, yeah. Oh, thing. okay. Yeah, yeah. It was probably, you know, over 2,000 square feet, so. Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds nice then. Yeah. I like the old houses converted into studios. Those are my ideal yeah. situations. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't one of those professional sleek you know new studios with like glass when you're looking i'm really i really don't like those after just working at blackbird i was like yeah it's like no pass (laughs) yeah like i said you really don't need that anymore so especially if it's too much analog i'm like that's yeah it's like that's i'm like no if it's like (laughs) if like they have a giant mixer in the room that literally doesn't serve any purpose (laughs) yeah really annoyed yeah Okay, so let's talk about um, all the TV film marketing stuff you're wanting to do. So what's going on with yeah, that right so, now? Um, so the the basics of it is I'm, I'm working on building a catalog right now, and I want to get to where I'm around the 30 to 40 song mark before I start to, um, to pitch these. But, I mean, the idea is I'm writing stuff that I think would fit well for the TV and film market and some, you know, advertisements as well. But... Um, when you think about it, it's it's just um, lyric themes are generally much more generic for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. than they would be for for an artist who's kind of writing about personal stuff. Um, it's more about the emotion. It's more about creating um, creating an emotion for the screen so that the you know obviously when you're watching TV or watching a movie the the characters are you know doing the script and stuff like that or the whatever the action is on the screen. So yeah. all you really need to do is is create the emotion, which I think is probably what drew drew me to this more than anything mm-hmm. because I've always been kind of more attached to the emotional side of music mm-hmm. than um, lyrical themes and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, 
and it's super intensive, as you know, yeah. on, the, on the production side, where it's mm-hmm. a lot of just, especially for the movie, you know, type stuff, movie trailers, where it's just big drums and mm-hmm. you know, stopping and starting and and cool sound effects and stuff like that, yeah. where it's not even real instruments. A lot of times, it's almost more like you know, scoring than it is songwriting. Mm-hmm. So it can be sort of a blend depending on what I'm working on. But I don't know. I think it's a uh, I think I found my 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 uh, passion for for what to do in the music business, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I've been enjoying it for the past few months. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really cool. It's more what I found it, especially we're, we're working together. Just like what idea do we want to put here? So like that. I know like yes. when the song we just listened to it was like it's like because you sent me like the original file. And I'm like, okay, we need like big hit drums like right here, mm. boom, boom, and then yeah, it's just like always trying to like. That's the big thing in like my arranger mind. That yeah, it's very experimental, which is mm-hmm. which is fun. I mean, you can throw anything in there, just mm-hmm. you know, take it out if it sounds weird or, or muddies it up too much. But um, you kind of just hear something in your head and you try to recreate mm-hmm. it with the, with the sounds that we have available and stuff. So yeah, the one thing that's nice now that like I don't have to like bring in a project to a like professor is because like you always had to think of like all right what's my reasoning for doing this like mm-hmm. you always had to do that when you're in like school for that because they're going to ask you about it and you have to like so to do anything you have to justify it so i have to make so it's nice to not have to do that anymore too much yeah. but like also have to think in that mindset yeah i just had to think of that mindset like my entire senior year so like right. why am i doing this why did i put this here because i released a song it was like i literally put it it was keyboard, like a Rhodes, ba- like electric bass, drums, and uh, electric guitar. And then I literally didn't have like full drums come in until the very last chorus. And so I like brought it into school and they're just like, you need to have the drums come in the second verse. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like it that because uh, it was something like the whole song. It was like kick and snaps. Yeah. The entire thing until the very last chorus. So it's yeah. like. You have to learn how to justify it. That's the annoying thing with arranging is like, especially, well, I guess in college because you had to like adjust, like have a reason for everything you do. Well, you'll, I mean, you'll, you hear that a lot in Nashville in general. I mean, people, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people will read my lyrics and they're like, this, this isn't enough. This isn't enough substance. This doesn't make sense. You're not telling why and who and where they're going and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's the purpose. I mean, I'm creating, mm-hmm. you know, an emotion and the character on the screen is supposed to answer those questions for yeah. you, which I like better than it's, it's a little bit different than traditional songwriting. I think it's hard for people to, to see that it's more experimental and more yeah. um, vague and generic. And that's actually a good thing than, than like you said, trying to you mm-hmm. know, make sure that you have an exact purpose and, and explain mm-hmm. it um, to everyone so that they can hear the song and understand the full story and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I noticed, like, in Nashville, though, people are a little more skeptical about experimenting. Oh, yeah. They're, like, a lot more than anywhere else. Yeah. That's why, like, country music, they get so mad when they're, like, I, they have hip-hop influence, like, burn them. Yeah, I think that's the the main reason you just hit the nail on the head is that Nash, even though Nashville's diversifying, it's mm-hmm. it's still primarily a country music mm-hmm. you know, town, yeah. so. At least. Country music. I like is, to tell people it's 50-50, but. Yeah. But all of country music is here, though. Right. That's the difference. Right, right, mm-hmm. so that type of music is so in the box it's it's mm-hmm. a little bit hard to get out of that mindset 
especially when you're trying to pitch a country song, like easy to arrange. It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. same producing techniques is just so easy to arrange. Like you don't know what you're doing. Like, like a, you could do a day, write a, like write a song, produce it, send it to someone. Yeah. Which is good so, for people who like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never really, I've never really been into country music in general and, and certainly not why I moved here. So yeah, it's like, yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Like people, cause like you tell people, it's like, where are you? plan move to nashville so are you trying to be a country singer i'm like no yeah like it's definitely more than country music <laughs> yeah that's still the the general mm-hmm. mindset um but i think it's good for people like you and i who were mm-hmm. you know on the outside of, of all that stuff so there's less noise and maybe there's less demand for it but i'd mm-hmm. rather have less demand and less mm-hmm. noise than than just oversaturation of the same thing yeah. being created all the time mm-hmm. very weird act I, I want people to make weird music i don't know it's just me but yeah, I, mean, I want people to make music that makes them happy. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, that's what it should be about changing the uh, the general song structure. Yeah, been doing a lot with. Uh, I don't know if you've done anything with that. I've been doing a lot with like verse, chorus, verse, and then do something weird at the very, and then end it with lyrics, and then do something really weird. Do you do anything weird? Yeah, try I mean, anything. Yeah, I mean, especially the more I'm getting into this, like like I said, kind of soundtrack or, or movie trailer type stuff, mm-hmm. the the more exper- experimental I get with song structure for sure. Um, I think that that kind of reference track that I sent mm-hmm. you when we first started working yeah, um, kind of, you know, pays homage to that. It's just like a really long intro. I guess you can kind of consider it a verse, and then there's just mm-hmm. a big buildup, and then you don't get into the, the, the hook, which isn't even really a chorus until after the mm-hmm. first full minute of the song. Um, and then it just plays on that hook for another mm-hmm. minute, minute and a half. And then the song's over. No yeah. bridge. There's no real chorus. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're creating, it's almost more like classical music where you're creating, you know, a bunch of smaller movements within a song rather yeah. than just having, you know, a typical verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. Um, mm-hmm. You're creating these little subsects of, of, movements and different emotions and, and intensity mm-hmm. that um you know from a from a tv show producer or a movie producer's perspective they can they can draw from you know different sections of these movements and and put together mm-hmm. uh um something that works for for whatever the the animation yeah. or, or theatrics is on the screen we go back to stravinsky's ride of spring it was like he has an idea and then he never goes back to it yeah like, and it just keeps moving forward it's like was it, I was told the three greatest pieces of music of all time: Stravinsky's *Rite of Spring*, John Cage *433*, and uh, *Sgt. Pepper's*. <laughs> the Beatles. You know what *433*? I do not. It, it's John Cage, and it's just four minutes and thirty-three seconds of just silence. And then, and then, three movements <laughs> they are all silence. All silence. So it's like because it's something the psychological part of it. Yeah. Stravinsky drives spring because of the ideas behind it. And then Sergeant Peppers for changing the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I think I can agree with. I agree. Then like, it's funny because then you have like more like pop musicians, like say like something like ride of spring or four thirty three are stupid. And then you have like the classically trained musicians who like think Sergeant Peppers is stupid. <laughs> yeah. And like, like, no, I think they're all three very important. Yeah. I'd um, say one, four, three, three is less important. I got really sick of Rite of Spring, so I had to listen to it, like, 30 times for a class. Oh, yeah. Because we had to recognize, like, the piece. Yeah. And that one's so hard, to because, like, you don't get the same thing. It's constantly changing. Yeah, and so you, like, you have to, like, 
what I had to do when I had to recognize like different uh the production quality of it like I had to recognize that that's like the only way I passed yeah <laughs> only way I passed that class for like at least those tests was that was a rough class <laughs> sounds like it yeah it was yeah instrumentation with Dr. Hartman and he straight up like yeah he had three tests and all three of them he had like a listening portion of it and the other part was like the quiz over the material and like the material not that hard like definitely not hard it was like transposition what keys are these instruments in you know but then like the listening part was like for people who don't have a background in a lot of background in classical music like we all struggled with it because mm-hmm. it was all like audio production students and then like music ed students so yeah. like the music ed students like hands down like got it like that was like this isn't that hard and then like the music like the production students were just like kill me now kill me now <laughs> okay so uh, i think we're running out of time so do you have any last words for anyone anything to check out um, I don't think so. I mean, my EP's on Spotify, but so, like I said, I've been moving in a kind of a different direction since then, so I hope to have this catalog kind of up and running in the next, I don't know, six months or so. Okay. So so go check out Cooper Baker. It's just Cooper Baker? Yep, on Spotify. Okay. Just nothing else? Cooper Baker, uh, help him get that, uh, revenue stream. <laughs> I'm almost to a dollar on mine, so. Yeah, you get a <laughs> fractions of a penny add up. So yeah, help him. Just stream it, turn your computer speakers off, and then stream it overnight. <laughs> That's what I tried. I want to do that with my I've always thought about doing that, but I want the stats to be accurate. Yeah. I That's the some band actually did that and made like twenty grand and then Spotify like like found out about it and they they kind of came down on them, but in a way that they were like, All right, since you're the first people who actually did this, we're not gonna like ban you, but they're gonna use it as kind of a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were like, If anybody else actually tried this again, we would just remove your Spotify account. Which, yeah, they did. Nelly did something like that, had all everyone just like stream his music because he was like in debt. And so it was like, But I think it's like the perfect like Kickstarter campaign just to like keep doing that <laughs> keep streaming your music on, on repeat. It's like you kind of earn it, but at the same time, you're not people aren't just like giving it. Right. So, yeah. All right, everyone, go check out Cooper on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Instagram. Yep, all that stuff. Uh, Pornhub. <laughs> check him out on Pornhub. I don't think I'm on there, but... Okay, we'll check anyways. <laughs> and uh, thank you. Remember, check out samshwagglemusic.com slash theshwagcast. And like always, remember to stay awesome.